Good morning and welcome to Gateway Online. We believe in the power of connection at Gateway. We believe in it because we were designed for connection. Our connection to God is literally the fuel for a well-lived life. And vital connections to others is an inextricable part of a healthy emotional and spiritual life. You know, when law enforcement builds a profile for a potential serial killer, they look for a loner. In other words, if you want to live a life that just runs way off the tracks, and evidently the place to start to build such a life is to isolate yourself. Sorry to go so dark, but you simply cannot live an effective and healthy life without vital connections. And for many of us, marriage is the most important connection in our lives. In fact, for all of us who are married, we know the power that this connection has over everything else in our lives. So we're beginning a new series of conversations this morning on marriage that we're calling Marriage Matters. We'll spend just three weeks working on the foundation of marriage. Each week, I'll give us assignments, and we'll need to participate to maximize the benefit of these conversations. By the way, don't snooze on this topic just because you've been married a long time. This is important and lifelong work, and getting old is a hard enough exercise, even without adding the burden of a distant, unhappy marriage. So I believe these conversations really can be extremely helpful for us, but they are only a beginning. You and I aren't going to establish a healthy rhythm with a simple three-week burst. Hopefully, these conversations will inspire ongoing conversations in your home and continued work. Now, next week, I'm going to briefly interview a counselor as part of our talk. Look, honestly, part of the reason for this will simply be to promote the idea of working on marriage and specifically working with a counselor if it's needed. We need to do the work if and when we need to do the work because this relationship is so critical. Now, if you're not married, I believe this conversation will still be helpful for you. First of all, I hope this will help you know how to pray for your married friends and they need your prayers. Secondly, this may help you know what to look for if you're entertaining the idea of marriage for yourself. So don't feel like you need to tune out. Before we begin, Let's lay down three rules of engagement, ground rules for this topic. First, listen for yourself, no elbows. Second, do not compare. Third, use what you can. One more note to those of you who are not married. I pray that you know and, and that you feel that you are not in any way less because you are not married. Marriage is talked about a lot in churches because many of us are married and because this connection is so vitally important to us. But if you're single, I want you to remember that Paul, the Apostle Paul, commends singleness in 1 Corinthians 7. In fact, he says it's good not to be married. Those who are not married, according to Paul, have more time and energy to devote to the Lord. So singleness does not equal less somehow. All right. Twice during our three weeks together, we're going to do, we're, we're, we're going to reference Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. Now, this is one of the most important passages related to marriage in the entire Bible. I'll explain this passage fully and in detail in two weeks. So don't get lost in what the passage says or doesn't say this morning. Sometimes modern readers hear stuff in this passage that just isn't there. We'll try to explain all of that, but for today, you'll have to trust me. Today, we're, we're only going to reference one of the subpoints buried in the middle of the passage because this point is so key to building a healthy marriage. Plus, it really is the starting point for us. So today, we're going to talk about the purpose of marriage. Let's begin by listening to Justin Wall 
as he reads Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. Good morning, Gateway. I'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Back to you, Ed. If you and I are going to have healthy marriages, we will have to keep our purpose in front of us. This is where it starts. This is the foundation. The old comedian uh, Henny Youngman used to say, the secret to a happy marriage still remains a secret. But I don't think he's right, or not completely. I think the secret begins with keeping our real purpose front and center in our thinking and doing the work of fighting off shadow purposes. So what is the purpose of marriage? I love the way Dr. Larry Crabb puts it. Crabb says, our highest purpose as husbands or wives is to be an instrument for promoting our partner's spiritual and personal welfare. Our highest purpose as husbands or wives is to be an instrument for promoting our partner's spiritual and personal welfare. Now, this principle is buried deeply into the very DNA of love itself, isn't it? 1 John 3.16 gives us an epic definition of love. John says this, This is how we know what love is, colon, definition to follow. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then John adds, And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. So love is for the other. Love promotes its partner. In fact, love lays down its life for its partner. 1 Corinthians 13, maybe the most famous love sonnet ever written and a nearly universal wedding reading in the Christian world. In it, Paul defines love as patient and kind, not boastful, not proud, not self-seeking. In other words, my love is not about me. It's about the one I love. Love is about the other. And notice Paul makes love an action word. You know, fairy tales and movies have trained us to think of love as a noun, which describes heart palpitations and moonlight and fireworks. But love is an action word. It's a verb. It acts on behalf of its beloved. Love promotes its beloved. This is the purpose of marriage. So in Ephesians 5, Paul addresses husbands and wives separately. We'll talk about why that is in a couple of weeks. But as a part of his address to husbands, He hits on the purpose of their love. In verse 26, love, he says, is to make her holy. 
In other words, promote her welfare, especially her spiritual welfare. Love her so that she will end up being more like God. Do whatever you can for her so that she will live up to her God-given design. Simon Sinek is a business consultant and conference speaker, and he's the author of the best-selling book, Start With Why. He also has a fascinating TED Talk that you should check out when you have an extra 15 minutes. Uh, Sinek suggests that Dr. Martin Luther King, the Wright brothers who invented the airplane, and Apple computers all have something in common that explains their effectiveness and their success. He ties those three very different things together by suggesting that they were all successful because they began their endeavor at the center of what he calls the golden circle. So I want to draw you Cynic's diagram. He begins with, you know, three concentric circles, a really small circle in the middle, and the outer circle he calls what? The next circle in he calls how? The golden circle. And the inner circle he calls why? Now, Senate claims this circle explains why some organizations and some efforts inspire us and succeed and why some don't. He claims every organization and every endeavor on the planet knows what they do. I want to build an airplane. That's a what. I want to make a car or a computer. That's what. I want to get married. That's what. Some organizations and endeavors know how, but very, very few, according to Senate, know why. And by the way, he doesn't mean to make a profit, for instance. That's, that's not why. That's a result. By why, he means what's your cause? What's your belief? Why do you exist? Senate claims that most of us, most of the time, go from the outside in. We go from the clearest to the fuzziest. That's how we make decisions, and that determines our behavior. But the inspired efforts, the ones that really make a difference, move from the inside out. They start with why. And they move and decide and act from that why. Let me give you his example to help us understand what he means. Consider Apple Computer. Sinek talks about this quite a bit. If Apple thought like everyone else, then according to Sinek, their marketing would sound like this. We make great computers. They're elegantly designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Want to buy one? Meh. That's the pitch of almost every computer company, almost every company of any kind. But according to Cynic, that's how most of us think and communicate. I want to get married. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to have a wedding and have some kids and, and buy a great house in the suburbs. Want to join me? But Cynic says, here's how Apple actually communicates. In everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo. We believe in thinking differently. The way we challenge the status quo is by making our products elegantly, simple to use, and user-friendly. We just happen to make great computers. Want to buy one? Totally different, right? And he makes a compelling case that both Dr. Martin Luther King and the Wright brothers thought and acted the same way. I mean, Dr. King didn't tell us he had a plan. He told us he had a dream. If, if we're going to be effective at marriage, if we want to build healthy marriages, then we have to start with why. 
Why are we married? And for those of you who are contemplating marriage, why are you getting married? And the answer to that question is, we believe in our partner's future. We believe God has a plan for them. And we want more than anything to see that plan lived out. We are committed to promoting our partner's personal and spiritual welfare. And that's what stays front and center. And from that foundation, a healthy, happy marriage can grow. If we build on other foundations, we increase the risk of serious problems. So obviously, I think we can run into problems in two ways. One, by not keeping the why front and center in our marriage. Or two, by allowing shadow purposes or alternate whys to rule our marriage and determine our behavior. So let's tease that out. First of all, think about how easy it is for us to begin at the wrong end of Simon Sinek's golden circle in our marriage. How easy it is to not keep the why front and center. Very often, we build the substance of our marriage around the what. And then we let that what determine our behavior. Example, well, we want two kids. And by that, we really mean we want two perfect kids who are better looking, smarter, and more athletic than we were. But this answers the what question. And if that is front and center, if that's what really drives the heart of our marriage, can you see how this sets us up on a problematic course? I mean, what happens when something doesn't go according to plan? If that scenario is allowed to become the substance of our marriage and then it goes off course, let's say one of our kids is a mess or let's say we couldn't have kids. What then? We're in deep, perhaps irreparable trouble. Or what happens when everything seems to be going right and according to plan? Only it's still not enough. We got what we were aiming for. Only something still feels like it's missing. What do we do then? I mean, if, if you've got what you thought your marriage was supposed to give you, if you've got what was front and center and it's not enough, if your marriage has fully answered the question you were asking, only you still got deep questions, what then? Honestly, maybe you have an affair. Because something must be wrong with this marriage. I mean, we check all the boxes on the what, and yet I'm not satisfied. Something must be wrong here. Or maybe your what is to have a great job in the perfect suburban home. Maybe that's the what. Maybe that's what drives your decision making. That's where you start. But the same set of problems will present themselves if, if something goes wrong or if everything goes right. Plus, this is just not nearly inspiring enough. You were designed for more than that. Your heart honestly longs for more than that. So no wonder you sometimes feel an aching emptiness or sadness that you may even associate with your marriage. No wonder you've answered the wrong question. You've thought about and worked on and worried about what, and you haven't kept why front and center. Our highest purpose as husbands or wives is to be an instrument for promoting our partner's spiritual and personal welfare. We have to keep our purpose before us. Another challenge we face, and I think this one is even more subtle, is the challenge of chasing shadow purposes alternate whys. So maybe we're actually trying to answer the why question, but we've supplied the wrong answer. We're pursuing the wrong purpose. I want to especially speak to husbands for a minute. That's not because I think husbands are more guilty of this, but because I have more experience with being a husband than I do with being a wife. <laughs> Sorry, wives, you'll have to extrapolate a little bit. But imagine, husband, if deep down inside your purpose is to make your wife happy. 
This is so deceptive. This seems like a good thing. Much about this purpose feels right. There, there have been many times in my marriage when I've operated under the influence of this purpose, but it's unattainable. I cannot make Diane happy. Too much is out of my control. And it's also wrong. It's not what God has required of us, husbands. I knew a man once who was operating under the influence of this purpose. And over time, he grew increasingly bitter and even despondent because of this pursuit. He felt like he could never get it right. There was always some little addition or some correction from his wife. She was never completely happy, it seemed. He could never satisfy his purpose. Suppose she asked him to uh, put up some shelves in the garage. He takes much of a Saturday to get the job done. She comes home having been away most of the day, sees the work and says, wow, honey, I like it. I know, I know now that I see it, you know, I wish we had three shelves instead of two. Now, in theory, what she means is, this looks fantastic, you are the best, it's so good and you did such a good job. The next time you have some time, why don't you add one more shelf because I sure could use it. But what he hears is, you never get it exactly right. You never, you never nail it. Why did I even marry you? What are we dealing with here? Is she never satisfied? Is she really just bad at encouragement? Is she too brusque? Is he too sensitive? Does he always interpret things in the wrong way, the worst possible way? Well, maybe one of those, maybe all of those, but we'll never know. We'll probably never have that conversation as a couple because we can't get to it. That conversation is buried underneath a shadow purpose. And if it's not completely buried, then that conversation is certainly confused and amplified by his shadow purpose. The volume on everything she says and everything he hears, everything he does is dramatically elevated by his shadow purpose, a purpose that is unattainable. Now, will there be times when he makes his wife happy? Of course, and, and he should want that. But this cannot become the purpose of the marriage. This cannot answer the why. Suppose his purpose is to provide for his wife. This is a familiar one, isn't it, men? Many of us carry this one into our marriages. But what happens when you lose your job? If this is your shadow purpose, then much more is at stake than just your job. Think of how this could influence your work life if this is your purpose in marriage. And maybe worse, what if you succeed in this purpose? What if your provision surpasses both of your expectations? Let's face it. Many of you are very, very successful. What does that do to your expectations in the marriage? Won't you consistently feel a subtle sense of entitlement? Look what I've done for you. Provide for your wife, check, got that one. So all of the problems in our marriage, that must be on you. Perhaps the most dangerous shadow purpose of all, and maybe the most common is that I might be happy. It's deadly when we make the answer to our why in marriage that I might be happier. And that's so common. First of all, this will not happen. <laughs> survey after survey and study after study have revealed that within 18 months of getting married, check this, people report the exact same level of happiness as they had before they got married. It turns out that the overwhelming majority of the happiness quotient for all of us depends on our internal engine. It's affected by external circumstances far less than we imagine. It's simply very unlikely that marriage will make you happier, not in the long run. But worse still, this purpose 
is a perversion of the nature of love and of how God designed you. Let me repeat, this is a perversion of the very nature of love. Over the years, Diane and I have had many conversations with many couples in a premarital counseling setting. And at some point in every premarital time, we ask, so why are you marrying her? And sometimes he'll say, because I love her and I can't imagine living without her. You know, not bad. I mean, it's a little self-referential. It's a little about himself, but not bad. There's work to be done, but they got some goods to work with. And sometimes he'll say, she just makes me a better person. Again, not bad, maybe even better. It's still very self-referential, but it sounds like there's some good stuff happening in this relationship. And sometimes he'll say, she just makes me happy. Stop, time out, fire alarm. This won't work. You simply cannot make the other person responsible for your happiness. This is worse than trying to assume responsibility for their happiness. They cannot make you happy. This is a death blow to an effective, healthy marriage. As I said, this is a perversion of love. Remember 1 John 3.16 and the definition of love? Remember 1 Corinthians 13? Remember Jesus and pretty much everything he did and taught? Love is for the other. Our highest purpose as husbands or wives is to be an instrument for promoting our partner's spiritual and personal welfare. The foundation of a healthy marriage will be laid by keeping that purpose before us. Now, you'll notice that I have not asked or tried to answer the question of how. How do we promote our partner's personal and spiritual welfare? Of course, there are some principles and practices that apply to all of us, but really, answering that question is the work that each of us as couples must do. So here's our homework assignment. If you're not married first, I want you to try to examine what shadow purposes you've been pursuing in your dating life or in how you have thought about marriage. Uh, drill a little deeper, maybe secondly, find a friend, and I mean a friend, not someone you might be interested in, but find a friend and ask them to have that conversation with you about that. That'll just give you more perspective on that question. Secondly, if you are married, We've posted an exercise on mygateway.life designed to encourage this conversation. So sometime this week, sit down together for an hour and work through this exercise. Second thing I want you to do this week, sometime this week, spend some time together in prayer about your marriage. Ask God to clarify your purpose and deepen your commitment to it. I don't know how. Get over yourself, put on your big boy pants and do it. Grab time with one another, go through this exercise, and then pray together. Go to mygateway.life and we'll post that homework there, the assignment, along with that exercise for couples. Mygateway.life. So start with why in your marriage. Our highest purpose as husbands or wives is to be an instrument for promoting our partner's spiritual and personal welfare. So let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we thank you for our singleness because you're in it. And for those of us who are married, we thank you for our marriage. We thank you for the life partner that you've given us. We thank you for the joy that we've had in that relationship and for the joy that's available to us. We thank you for connection. 
and for um, joining those synapses, God. We just, we rejoice in that this morning. And Father, I pray that you would help us to keep our purpose before us. That our actions and our decisions would grow from the inside out, that they would begin with the why, that they would start with the foundational purpose of promoting, promoting, building up the other person's personal and spiritual welfare. Train us to be detectives for what's going to most promote our partner's personal and spiritual welfare. And then, Lord, inspire us. Make that the the highest aim of our lives. Uh, God, remind us of what an awesome work you're doing in our partner. And uh, fill us with the, the inspiration, the encouragement to participate in that to participate in your work in our partner's life. Father, we also pray that you would expose shadow purposes in our lives. Uh, Show us where those are. Search us and find those places and show them to us. And uh, help us to turn away from those and turn to you. And we love you. And we know that um, we, we are what we are and we have the marriages that we have and we, we are where we are because of the work of your grace in our lives. So we celebrate that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning.